Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill and welcome to my show, Me The Science Podcast. Now, this week I've got a cracker, if I say so myself, they're all crackers, I hope. Uh, but this one, literally six hours ago, I came across this. I was looking for my, th- my one to do this week and I came across this one. I've got to talk about this. It's the science of whales. Now, I don't mean whales as the country. Whales, the aquatic mammals. And there's some very interesting stuff happening around whales. Brand new stuff is happening, which I'll come on to. Uh, but whales are an absolute fascination. Now, why, why would that get my attention? P- people have asked me, why do I pick the topics? Well, I pick them because I'm interested in them. That's the first thing. But secondly, I kind of know something about them. And I've read about these things over the years. Or it could be close to my own area of medicines and immunology and so on, which I often feature, as you know. Any regular listeners will know that, that those are my favourite topics. But this was one that I was really, really into because when I was in second year in university, I did natural sciences, biology. And when I was in second year, I did a whole essay on aquatic mammals. Now, anybody who's been to college will have been forced to do essays. And you go, oh, God, this is painful. You know, you write this essay and the deadline is looming. In second year, I'm doing zoology and I chose this as my essay. And I got really into it. And in fact, I wondered if my eventual profession as a scientist stems from this moment because I really dug into this topic. The beauty of it in university is you have to dig into these topics in great detail. I found the subject of aquatic mammals absolutely fascinating. I was drawn to the sea anyway because I'm from Bray County Wicklow and the movie Jaws had a big influence on me as I've mentioned because it was a shark expert in Jaws, the famous Hooper. Now, whales are not like sharks, they're, they're mammals. And I wrote this essay about whales about dolphins, seals, uh, a creature called the manatee that really got my huge fascination, dugongs, they're called sea cows. These are all aquatic mammals. They're mammals just like us. They feed their young with milk, but they live in the sea, obviously. And these are, you know, whales are fully aquatic. They never come out of the sea, do they? Seals do. Uh, But these wonderful whales, they live in the sea the whole time. And it really got my attention at the time, right? And I've always followed aquatic mammals ever since in literature, and I'm keeping an eye on them in various ways. And they're an absolute beautiful creatures and an absolute fascination. And, of course, there's a serious side to this, because we've almost killed them all, haven't we? They've almost been hunted to extinction. They think at the moment there's only 5% of the whales in the oceans that were there, say, 400 years ago. Because we hunted them, didn't we? It's terrible. And again, they're protected now, which is really important. But we need more whales. This story I'm telling you today, though, is about, guess what? Whale poo. Now, there's an idea or a concept you've never heard of before. Whales excrete stuff. And this is what this particular uh, topic today is about. I'll come back to that a bit later. Now, did you know that whales used to live on the land? And they went back into the ocean, if you like. Because as you probably all know, life began in the sea came onto the land and all the land creatures evolved but whales were originally on the land their closest relative is the hippopotamus the DNA can be compared if you compare hippo DNA to whale DNA you can see they're they're related hippos of course are aquatic as well but they spend a lot of time out of the water too so it looks like there was a common ancestor and one lineage ended up in the sea as whales the second lineage stayed on the land as the hippos guess when this divergence happened 54 million years ago and again, there's very clever ways to look at DNA and, and uh, get these dates, basically, from all these different species and examining their DNA. So 54 million years ago, uh, whales ended up going into the ocean. And all the whales we see today are descended from that lineage that went back into the ocean. And so it's a fascination that would have happened. They reckon it took somewhere between 5 and 10 million years 
once they were in the ocean for the whales to become fully aquatic. So evolution begins to work, you see, and then through natural selection, eventually, which remembers a random process, eventually we get to whales that we now see that live fully in the oceans. So it took, what, five to ten million years of sculpting, if you will, of the ancestral DNA in the ancestor to eventually fully adapt that creature to living fully in the ocean. Evolution can work over millions and millions of years. Timescales are amazing when it comes to evolution. So how do you turn a hippopotamus into a whale? You stick it in the ocean and give it 10 million years and eventually some of them survive and turn into whales is the idea, I guess, behind it. So we know a lot about the history of them in terms of evolution. And at the moment, there are eight families of whales that live in the oceans. The grey whale, the narwhal, which has a tusk, the right whale, so-called because they were the right whale to catch, by the way, and slaughter and, and, and extract things from, sperm whales and the blue whale. They're, they're examples of different uh, whale t- families. And, of course, the blue whale is the largest creature that ever lived. It's much bigger than any other creature ever. And they could evolve into these massive creatures because they live in the ocean, I guess is the reason. And the blue whale is the largest creature that ever lived on Earth. And, again, it's descended from this ancestral species that goes back into the ocean uh, and then evolves into all these different whales. Now remember they were hunted relentlessly almost to extinction. Us humans managed to use whales for all kinds of things. The blubber was used as a source of fuel. Uh, The baleens some whales have these structures that could be used as a material to make all kinds of things, you know. So basically it was a bad time for whales all through the 19th century and they were hunted almost to extinction and now they are protected. Now some interesting features before I get to the crux of the matter, the recent stuff. Whales are great singers and they communicate over vast di- distances. Some make clicking noises which can be heard hundreds and hundreds of kilometres away. Some use sonar to communicate. So again, Magical creatures evolved all these wonderful things as a, as a form of communication. And guess what? And we know this, don't we? They're very, very intelligent. Now, any aquatic mammal is highly intelligent in, in the way we measure intelligence in various ways. But just like dolphins, whales are very, very intelligent. Very complex behavior, social groups, interaction, all kinds of lines of evidence tell us how intelligent they are. And sadly, as ever, we managed to hunt them almost to extinction. Another interesting fact, and you can't beat interesting facts, is... They, they have trouble uh, sleeping in the sense that if they fall asleep, they might drown. So guess what? Only one half of the brain falls asleep, the other half stays awake, and then it switches, and then the other half falls asleep, and then the other half stays awake, and that keeps them going, obviously enough. So it's very strange. They sleep, but only half sleep, if you know what I mean. Huge conservation effort um, is, is, is happening at the moment to, of course, conserve them because they're so important. But guess what? This is the, the big breakthrough in, in many ways, at least the big, the big investigation is happening. It was realised decades ago that whale poo, so the stuff that whales secrete, is a very important fertiliser for the ocean. And it's very rich. Now, when there are certain whales live off krill, for example, they digest them. The byproducts are a really rich source of nutrients for fish. And it was shown that plankton in the oceans, these are these tiny microscopic creatures, live off whale fertiliser, we'll call it. And, of course, the fish live off the plankton. And they noticed, as we were hunting all these whales, plankton diversity was going down. Fishes, fish were under threat as well because you were losing a key component part of this very complex ecosystem. And that worried people 10, 20 years ago that this decrease in whale-derived fertiliser was affecting plankton. Now, plankton are very important because, obviously, they are food for fish. But, secondly, they absorb a huge amount of CO2. So, plankton are very important as a way to lower atmospheric CO2. Another reason, then, 
why carbon levels are rising is because of less plankton in the oceans and they've tied this into a decrease in whale fertiliser to feed the plankton, if you will. So, again, this has been going on for, for decades. Uh, the evidence got more and more compelling. The way to solve this is to bring the whale population back, of course, but that will take time. And to encourage whale breeding and all kinds of things is, is a very slow process. So instead, guess what? Clever scientists, is there any other time, uh, came up with a way to make artificial whale faeces, it says in this report. So they begin making whale poo in a lab, basically. That sounds ridiculous, uh, but this is what happens. They could, they could get what, what whale poo was made of, they wonder what the nutrients were that were in whale poo, and then they begin making it in a lab. Now, they could use natural ingredients. Uh, a lot of this was done in India, by the way. There's a huge marine research effort in India. And there's also the Woods Hole Institute in the US, and they collaborate. And the Indian Institute realises they can use the byproducts from rice, and when you make, when you process rice, there's various, the husks of the rice can be used and they could use that then as one of the uh, component parts. And then they could analyse what was in whale poo and they can recreate it using natural things. It's a bit like taking any fertiliser that's natural, I suppose. So they make loads of this stuff and then what do they do next? They begin sprinkling it in the ocean and especially in the Indian Ocean because, as I say, one of the um, labs that was doing this was in India. And guess what? The plankton begin to come back. And they can take samples, they can measure plankton, the diversity in the plankton species, it's tremendous, you know. And, and they can show that this artificial, if you like, although it is organic, whale uh, poo, is able to bring back these plankton, these phytoplankton. They can live off this stuff and start to grow. And the first signs are absolutely superb. This seems to be working. Now, you can imagine what the next proposal is. Let's make loads of this stuff and sprinkle it everywhere, all over the oceans allow plankton diversity to come back. That will feed the fish and help with fish stocks and various other things. And very importantly, will absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And there's a massive research effort now to expand this program. The pilot studies, as they're called, have worked. And now they're doing more and more studies on sprinkling uh, a substitute for whale poo, if you like, into the oceans. Now, of course, the better solution is to restore the whale populations to what they were. That's a long journey. As I said, it's 5% of what it was, which is a huge deficit to make up. But the effort is there to try to encourage whale populations to come back. And then they're making the poo naturally, aren't they? Which is, which is preferable. That, that's the ultimate goal of all this. But in the meantime, you can use synthetic, as it were, an artificial whale poo to bring back the plankton, to restore fish populations and deal with this dreaded you know, global warming as a way to absorb some of the CO2. So who would have thought that scientists in their labs would come up with the notion to make whale poo and make it in a way that can be very beneficial for the earth, both in terms of climate change, but also in terms of fish populations. And all that's happened because of all this great research that's gone into these marvellous aquatic mammals, the whales that are so important for us. So yet again, life on earth is very interconnected, isn't it? And we need whales. We need them desperately. Let's bring them back. Let's bring the whale populations back. It has to be the ultimate goal in all of this. So there you have it. Who'd have thought the science of whale poo. So there you have it, the science of whales, specifically whale poo. Thanks as ever for listening and remember my podcast is available for downloading every Thursday and it's a News Talk production. Thanks very much.